Hello, and welcome to Lessons with Dad. As always, I'm here with my daughter, Ruthie. Hi. And today we're continuing Atomic Habits by James Clear, and we're in part three of this series on this book, Ruthie. So do you want to take us, Ruthie, what are the things we learned in part two? Be patient when starting a new habit. You may have to reach a critical point before we see changes, just like the ice cube in part two. That's right. We talked about the ice cube and how you have to reach a certain, you may put all this effort in until you reach 32 degrees. Up until that point, you don't see anything. And then bam, at one point you see radical change. It's often like that with habits. And we really need to be patient to push through that, that, that threshold to where you'll start seeing results. Don't get frustrated and give up on a new habit. And then what was the second thing, Ruthie? Focus on the system and not a single goal. That's right. Focusing on the system, not the goal, will lead to long-term changes. So today we're going to talk more about why changing habits can be so challenging and then what we can do to succeed. And this is a really, really interesting discussion and part of the book by James Clear. So he first points out here that changing our habits is challenging for two reasons. First, we try, we try to change the wrong thing, right? And, and secondly, we try to change our habits in the wrong way. So we're first trying to change the wrong thing. Second, we're trying to do it the wrong way. Let's tackle this first one first, why we try to change the wrong thing. And in the book here, James Clear discusses what he calls the three layers of behavior change. Imagine uh, kind of like three concentric circles here, maybe, you know, the outer, the, you know, the inner, and then the center, right? On the outer is changing your what, Ruthie? Outcomes. That's right. Changing our outcomes. And that level is concerned with changing results, losing weight, publishing a book, winning a championship. Most of our goals, just like you and I talked about in our last episode, when we talked about what some of our things, we pointed straight to those. And that's the outer layer, the uh, changing our outcomes. Level two, Ruthie, the, this will be the, the, the inner layer is what? Changing your process. That's right. We talked a lot about focusing on the process. And so if you're better, we're going to focus on changing our process. That's concerned with your habits and systems, implementing a new routine at the gym, decluttering your desk for better workflow. Uh, most habits you build that we build, right? Most of our outcomes, our, our goals, our, our um, results are focused on level one. Anything more successful, the habits we build are associated with changing the process. And then there's the center. And Ruthie, what's the center? Changing your what? Identity. And that's interesting. This level is concerned with changing your beliefs, your worldview, your self-image, and your judgments about yourself and others. So outcomes are about what you, what Ruthie? What you get. That's right. Outcomes are about what you get. Processes are about what you do. And identity is about what you believe. That's right. So outcomes, what you get. That's the outcome process about what you do. And identity is about what we believe. And so most people begin the process of changing habits by focusing on what they want to achieve. And clearly that's where it's you get 
I guess, the desire to change, right? You want to look different. You want to be smarter. You want to get into a school. You want outcomes, right? But that leads to outcome-based habits. The alternative is to build identity-based habits. And this approach, we start focusing on who we wish to become. And here's here's a great example that uh, James Clear gives in his book. Imagine two people, all right? So everybody close your eyes and think of this. Imagine two people are resisting a cigarette and someone walks off, up to them and offers them a smoke. And here's what the response is by two different people. Ruthie, what's the first person respond to? Here's the question. You're trying to, re- these, each of them is trying to resist a cigarette and someone walks up and says, hey, would you like a smoke? First person says what? No, thanks. I'm trying to quit. Hmm. Fair enough. No, thanks. I'm trying to quit. Same thing. Person trying to resist a cigarette. Someone walks up to him and says, hey, would you like a smoke? No, thanks. I'm not a smoker. Hmm. Seems like a subtle change, but a, but this is a massive difference. First one again. Let's repeat them again. What's the first one, Ruthie? No, thanks. I'm trying to quit. And the second one? I'm not a smoker. That's right. Which one do you as a do you think has a better chance of kicking their smoking habit? The second person. That's right. The first response seems reasonable, but they still believe that they're a smoker who is trying to be something else. The response of the second person, although it may seem like a minor difference in their response, is gigantic. Their response indicates a change in identity, right? How they see themselves. Someone smoking smoke or smoking was part of their former life, but not their current one. They no longer identify as someone who smokes. And this really, you know, hit me hard when I thought about this because that is a massive change. No, thanks. I'm not a smoker. You're not trying to quit. You're not trying to do this. I'm not, uh, hey, I'm trying to lose a few pounds. No, I'm a healthy eater, right? Or whatever the things we're trying to change. And this is a massive shift in, in what you think about yourself. So when you think about identity, and there are a lot of things that, that go along with identity that influence consciously and subconsciously what we do every day. So if you had to think about it, Ruthie, about your identity, how would you identify what different identities do you have? Um, tennis player, Christian, trustworthy, honest. Yeah, that's good. And anything else jump to mind when you when you would identify yourself? Mm, hard worker. Yeah, that, th- those are good. And and I would agree with all those. And there's probably others. You're a girl, and although that may not be something you you think of, your you, many <laughs> things are associated with your gender and and who you are. Um, and and. There are things not just in our personal identity and our groups and that, but it's interesting as we were preparing for this, Ruthie, I was listening to another podcast and they mentioned uh, something about uh, an article by two economists and they were studying the economics of identity. And the research really started in the, 
in their research, founded this whole new uh, segment of economics called identity economics. And they quantified how our identity influences our life outcomes. So I went, I Googled the people, found a couple of their articles, read them in their entirety. And here are a couple quotes from the papers. And this is a quote from Economics and Identity by George Ackerloff and Rachel Cranton. And listen, this is, this is really good. Because identity is fundamental to behavior, choice of identity may be the most important economic decision people make. Individuals may, more or less consciously, choose who they want to be. Identity is a motivation for behavior. Wow. Did you think that for your economic life outcomes, that your personal choice of your identity is could be the most important thing for you, Ruthie? No. No. I mean, you probably would think where you went to school, what career you choose, things like that might be the most important thing. But their research is saying your choice of identity. And here's a quote from another article they wrote together. Thus, people's identity, their conception of who they are and of who they choose to be may be the most important factor affecting their economic lives. So that's just how important. And they were just looking at the economic outcomes, a lot of it based on gender and other groups and things that you might associate with, but their findings were very compelling. And here's what James Clear has to say about identity. The ultimate form of intrinsic motivation is when a habit becomes part of your identity. The more pride you have in a particular aspect of your identity, the more motivated you will be to maintain the habits associated with it. So true behavior change, Ruthie, true behavior change is identity, identity change. And in reading the book, this book and several articles about this, it was interesting. You will do things. I mean, all kinds of different things to act in line with the identity you've chosen. Even sometimes things that will be detrimental to you just because you want to reinforce this belief you have in yourself. So behavior change, right? True behavior change is identity change. The goal, Ruthie, is not to read a book, but what? To become a reader. The goal is not to run a marathon. To become a runner. The goal is not to learn an instrument. To become a drummer. That's right. So these are, this is the different level. It's to change your identity, align your behaviors to your identity. Then, then you're simply, simply acting like the type of person you already believe yourself to be. What do you think about that? Do you think that's true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I thought this, this really hit me over the head when reading and going through this and, and I find it extremely compelling Uh, and there's a lot of research to back this up. So when your identity works for you, things are great, but your, your identity can be a powerful force that works against you. It can be easy to let your allegiance to your identity impact your ability to change. And so many people, Ruthie, they'll they'll walk through life 
in a trance, blindly following the norms of their assumed identities. And some of these are group identities. Some of them are personal identities. Some of them are cultural identities. And others are things you've just chosen for yourself. And in some of these, you know, we just told ourselves over and over again, I'm a ter- I'm terrible with directions. Or how about this one? Read that one, Ruthie. I can't use a new technology. Right. I can't use maybe your new cell phone. Who does that sound like? My grandma. <laughs> That's right. Grandma Chichi. She just refuses to, to use the new technology. Is she incapable of learning how to use a cell phone, Ruthie? No. No, she's not. But she's told herself that. And so to stay in line with that, she continues down that path with that identity that she's created for herself. And she's stuck in that paradigm. Or I'm bad with names. How about this one? I'm always late. Yeah, that sounds like somebody we know, doesn't it? (laughs) Or I'm terrible at math, right? How many people just tell themselves they're terrible at math, right? A lot. A lot of people do, don't they? Do you think they could be good at math? Mm -hmm. They could, but they keep telling themselves. And when when you repeat these stories to yourself for months, for years, it becomes a powerful force in time. There becomes an internal pressure to maintain your self-image and act in accordance with your beliefs because you don't want to contradict yourself. So like we said, there's group identities, personal identities, cultural identities, many others. One of the main reasons people don't stick with their habits is that their self-image or their identity gets in the way. They're trying to act in a way that's contradictory. And so like the smoker who's trying to quit, Not like, I'm not a smoker, right? Don't continue to be a smoker who's just trying to quit. Change your identity. So habits, and this is interesting, and this is where the habits really come in, Ruthie, because we've been talking about identity and this, and some people are going, when are we going to stop? start talking about how we change habits, right? But habits, here's what James Clear, habits are how we embody our identities, When you make your bed each day, you embody the identity of an organized person. The more you repeat a a behavior, the more you reinforce the identity associated with that behavior. So these tiny little habits that we have, Ruthie, that's what makes up and builds up and reinforces our identity. If you go to the gym, even when it's snowing, you have evidence, hard evidence that you are committed to fitness. The more evidence you have for a belief, the more strongly you will believe it. If you kick a ball once or twice, would you consider yourself a soccer player? No. No, no, none of us would. But if you kicked a ball every day and practiced soccer in the front yard, even if you weren't on a big team, but you kicked and practiced and did it with all the neighbor kids every single day for a year, do you think then you'd think you're a a soccer player? Yeah. So... As you repeat these actions, the evidence accumulates and your self-image begins to change. The effect of one-off experiences will fade away, right? But the effect of habits reinforce that identity. So listen to this. I, I thought this was really good. And this is a great way to think about tiny habits and how they relate to identity. Every action we take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. So no single instance will transform your beliefs, but the votes build up 
And that the votes are like casting votes to give you evidence of your new identity. And that's why one, one reason meaningful change does not require radical change. You think, hey, I have to change these huge things. No, small habits can make a meaningful difference by providing evidence of the new identity, right? So if you want some new identity, right? You want to be really smart or intelligent, or you want to be whatever, whatever that may be. If the change, if even if it's a tiny change, that small change is meaningful. It's actually big because it's casting votes for the identity you want. So you can see that habits are the path to changing your identity. The most practical way to change who you are is to change what you do. Right? So Ruthie, read a couple of these here. These are really good. Each time you write a page, you are a writer. That's right. Each time you practice violin, violin, you are a musician. Hmm. How about this next one? Every podcast you release, you are a podcaster. That's right. Before we did this, I loved podcasts. But now every time you and I do one of these and release one, I would, if somebody asked me now, we would say we're podcasters. That's awesome. Every time you encourage your teammates, you are a leader. That's right. So if you want to change, start changing what you're doing. Start. So the good news, you don't need to be perfect. Just like any election, you need to win the majority of time. And I'd say you want to win probably the, the vast majority of the time. But, but again, you don't need to be perfect. If you're trying to change your eating habits, doesn't mean you can ne never eat anything bad. But you want to keep casting votes for the person you want to be over and over again. New id identities require new evidence. If you keep casting the same votes you always do, you are going to get the same results. Just plain and simple. Same actions, same results. Same votes, same habits, same identity. So you need to cast different votes for a new identity. And here's, here's what it is. James Clear has a simple two-step process for identity change. All right. Number one, Ruthie, what's that? Decide the type of person you want to be. That's right. And number two? Prove it to yourself with small wins. All right. Pretty simple. And that is simple. Decide who you want to be and prove it with small wins. So the focus needs to be on becoming the type of person you want to be and not about a particular outcome. Right. That's a big difference. Not Don't go on the outside of the onion. We're going straight to the center, to the identity. Focus needs to be becoming the type of person you want to be. The first step is not about what or how, but who. You need to know who you want to be. And Ruthie, this is awesome. Your identity is not set in stone. You can choose your identity. Do you think that, is there any, I mean, does that make sense to you? Are there any identities that you want to embody that you're not there right now or that you want to change? Um, not that I can think of. Yeah. Well, we're going to take some time because it's, this is something that's going to take some, <laughs> some real time to think about. And, that, and as I'm thinking about changing some of the habits and I've got several, I'd like to change. I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend some time because habits, and this is, this is the big idea for the book habits are about becoming someone. Who do we want to be, right? 
And this is a big question and it deserves reflection. So I didn't want to put you on the spot there because we really need to think about this. But I'm going to ask our listeners, I'm going to go back myself and Ruthie, I'm going to ask you to to take some time. This, this question deserves some time and reflection. But think about who you really want to be and commit yourself. And then what do we need to do from there, Ruthie? Start casting votes immediately for the person you want to be. Right? Pick who you want to be. Decide it. And then start casting votes with small activities, small habits that you can do that will reinforce that identity. Don't try to stop smoking. Don't, you're not a smoker. Don't try to lose five pounds. I want to, I want healthy eating habits. Don't, you know, try to get in shape, become a fitness junkie, whatever those are, right? Think of those identities you want to embody. So take some time, everyone. Think about it. And next time when we come back, we'll go into episode four of Atomic Habits.